Mr. Speaker. Thank you. Mr. Speaker, I am sure that members across the House will wish to join me in offering our condolences to the families and friends of Andrea Christie, who died following the London attack, and Chris Bevington, who is among those killed in the terrorist attack in Sweden. And our thoughts are also with the family and friends of Hannah Bladen, who was murdered in Jerusalem last week. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Alberto Costa. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I would also like to join the Prime Minister in offering the condolences of the people of South Leicestershire and myself to the individuals and their families. Mr Speaker, strong countries need strong economies. Strong countries need strong defences. Strong countries need strong leaders. As the nation prepares to go to the polls, as the nation prepares to go to the polls, apart from my right honourable friend, who else in this house can provide the leadership that is needed at this time? My honourable friend is absolutely right. There are three things that a country needs, a strong economy, strong defence and strong, stable leadership. That's what our plans for Brexit and our plans for a stronger Britain will deliver. And that's what the Conservative Party will be offering at this election. And we will be out there fighting for every vote. Whereas the right honourable gentleman opposite would bankrupt bankrupt our economy, weaken our defences and is simply not fit to lead. Mr Speaker, I concur with the condolences the Prime Minister just sent to the families of those three people who so sadly and needlessly died, and it's important we recognise that as as a cross-party proposal today. I thank the Prime Minister for that. Mr Speaker, we welcome the general election, but, but, but 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 this is a Prime Minister who promised there wouldn't be one. A Prime Minister who cannot be trusted. She says it's about leadership, yet is refusing to defend her record in television debates. And it's not hard to see why. The Prime Minister says we have a stronger economy. Yet, yet she can't explain why people's wages are lower today than they were ten years ago, or why more households are in debt, six million people earning less than the living wage, child poverty is up, pensioner poverty is up. So why are so many people getting poorer? Well, I can assure, I can assure the right honourable gentleman. First of all, I would point, 
I would point out to the right honourable gentleman that I have been answering his questions and debating these matters every Wednesday that Parliament has been sitting since I became Prime Minister. And I will be taking, I will be taking out to the country in this campaign a proud record of a Conservative government. A stronger a stronger economy, an economy with a deficit nearly two-thirds down, with 30 million people with a tax cut, 4 million people taken out of income tax altogether, record levels of employment and £1,250 more a year for pensioners. That's a record we can be proud of. Mr Speaker, if she's so proud of a record, why won't she debate it? Wages wages are falling. More children are in poverty. And the last Tory manifesto, page 28, said we will work to eliminate child poverty. They only eliminated the child poverty targets, not child poverty. In 2010, they promised to eradicate the deficit by 2015. In 2015, they have promised to eradicate the deficit by 2020. Austerity has failed. So does the Prime Minister know which year the deficit will now be eradicated? The Right Honourable Gentleman, I know it's taken... I know it's taken the Right Honourable Gentleman a little time to get the hang of these Prime Minister's questions. But I have to say to him that week in and week out, he stands up and asks me questions and I respond to those questions. And, and what we're... With a stronger... Order! Order! The Leader of the Opposition must be heard and the Prime Minister must be heard. The Prime Minister. A stronger economy with a deficit two-thirds down, but people will have a real choice at this election. They will have a choice between a Conservative government that has shown we can build a stronger economy and a Labour Party whose economic policy would bankrupt this country. And what voters, what voters know is that under Labour it's ordinary working people who pay the price of the Labour Party. They pay it. They pay it with their taxes, they pay it with their jobs, and they pay it with their children's futures. Only this year the new Chancellor pledged to eradicate the deficit by 2022. I do admire Tory consistency. It's always five years in the future. Another Tory broken promise. The Prime Minister leads a government that has increased national debt by £700 billion, more than every other Labour government in history put together. Debt has risen every year they have been in office. We know their economic plan was long term. Does the Prime Minister want to tell us how far into the long term it will be before we get the debt falling? The Right Honourable Gentleman stands up and talks about a debt. This is a Labour Party that will be going into the election pledged to borrow an extra £500 billion. And what does that mean for ordinary working people? Well, I'll tell the Right Honourable Gentleman what it means. We know what Labour's plans would entail because we've been told by the former Labour Shadow Chancellor. He said the following. 
If Labour were in power, you'd have to double income tax, you'd have to double national insurance, you'd have to double council tax, and you'd have to double VAT as well. That's Labour's plan for the economy. Jeremy Corbyn! All her government has delivered, Mr Speaker, is more debt and less funding for schools and hospitals. Schools funding being cut for the first time in a generation. The Prime Minister is cutting £3 billion a year from school budgets by 2020. She says they have created a stronger economy. So why are there tax giveaways to the richest corporations while our children's schools are starved of the resources they need to educate our children for the future? He talks about levels of funding into schools and the NHS. There are record levels of funding going into schools and record levels of funding going into the NHS. But let's just talk about schools, because it's not just a question of funding, it's actually a question of the quality of education provided in the schools. 1.8 million more children are in good or outstanding schools under this Conservative Government. That's 1.8 million more children with a better chance for their futures. What would Labour give us? The same old, one-size-fits-all, local authority-run schools, no choice, good or bad, trust your luck. We don't trust to luck and we won't trust the Labour Party. We'll provide a good school place for every child. Parents taking their children back to school for the summer term, many will receive a letter from the school begging for funds to buy books and fund the school. The Conservative manifesto promised the amount of money following your your child into school will be protected. It isn't. It's another Tory broken promise. For the first time in its history, Mr Speaker, NHS funding per pupil, per patient, will fall this year. The NHS has been put into an all-year-round crisis by this Government. Why are more people waiting in pain and millions of elderly people not getting the care and the dignity that they deserve? I'm proud of the record we have on the NHS. We see more doctors, more nurses, more midwives, midwives, more GPs, more people being treated in our National Health Service last year than ever before, and record levels of funding going into our National Health Service. You only can do that with a strong economy. What do we know we'd get from the Labour Party? Bankruptcy and chaos. Jeremy Corbyn! Mr Speaker, that's a very good reason why we should have a debate about it. Because that is another Tory broken promise. A broken promise of the Tory manifesto which said they will continue to spend more on the NHS in real terms. Say that to those waiting at A&E departments. Say that to those that can't leave hospital because social care is not available. Mr Speaker, isn't the truth that over the last seven years the Tories have broken every promise on living standards, the deficit, debt, the National Health Service and schools funding? Why should anyone believe a word they say over the next seven weeks? I will be taking, I can assure the right honourable gentleman, 
that I will be out campaigning and giving, uh, taking to voters, taking to voters the message of the record of this Conservative government, but crucially of our plans to make Brexit a success and to build a stronger Britain for the future. And every vote for the Conservatives will make it harder for those who want to stop me from getting the job done. Every vote for the Conservatives will make me stronger when I negotiate for Britain with the European Union. And every vote for the Conservatives will mean we can stick to our plan for a stronger Britain and take the right long-term decisions for a more secure future for this country. Speaker, for years I've been campaigning for fairer funding in Wiltshire schools. Will the Prime Minister please reaffirm her commitment to this and, and to a review of pupil premium to encompass other forms of key disadvantagement, such as being a young carer, mental health problems and bereavement. This way we can create a country that will work for everyone. I know that my honourable friend, she raises a very important point. I know that she has campaigned long and hard in her constituency and worked hard for her constituents on this and other issues. What we do want to ensure is that young people, irrespective of their background, have the opportunity to make the most of their talents. And the point of our reforms is to try to end the postcode lottery in school funding and support our plan for a fairer society where success is based on merit and not on privilege. She refers to the pupil premium. That is, of course, worth £2.5 billion a year. It's an important part of our policy because it does give schools extra support for pupils from disadvantaged backgrounds. But I think it's right that schools are best placed to prioritise the needs of their pupils and can use their funding to ensure that they're supporting any pupil facing disadvantage, financial or otherwise. Angus Robertson. May I join in the condolences extended by the Prime Minister and the leader of the Labour Party. Uh, Mr Speaker, the tone and content of democratic debates, including a general election, is very important to all of us. So does the Prime Minister agree with me that political opponents are not saboteurs and that all elected mainstream parties and parliamentarians have a mandate and that that should be respected? I. In this House and in this Parliament, it is right that we have proper debate and scrutiny of proposals that are put forward by the Government and that arguments on both sides of the House are rightly challenged and those discussions take place. But I say to the Right Honourable Gentleman that what the British people, what the people of the United Kingdom voted for last year was for the UK to leave the European Union. We have, we have set that process in motion. There is no turning back. But it is clear from statements that have been made by the Scottish Nationalists and others that they do want to use this House to try to frustrate that process. I will be asking the British people for a mandate to complete Brexit and to make a success of it. Angus Robertson! Speaker, it's disappointing the Prime Minister didn't take the opportunity to condemn intemperate language in describing other democratic politicians uh, as... Well, there's heckling... There's heckling from the other side, and I think the Prime Minister should take the opportunity to underline something that we should all agree on, that describing people in the way that we've read in some daily newspapers by leading politicians is not acceptable. But, Mr Speaker, most people know that the reason why we are actually having a general election 
is because of the woeful state of the Labour Party. If the Prime Minister is so confident that her hard Brexit, pro-austerity, anti-immigration case is right, then she should debate it with opposition leaders during the campaign. We look forward to the straight fight between the SNP and the Tories. Can the Prime Minister tell the people why she's running scared of a televised debate with Nicola Sturgeon? First of all, can I say to the right honourable gentleman, one of the crucial things we have in this country that underpins our democracy is a free press. And I believe that is important, and I believe people in this chamber should stand up for the freedom of the press. And as to the TV debates, I can assure the right honourable gentleman that I will be out there campaigning in every part of the United Kingdom, taking out there our proud record of a Conservative government that has delivered for every part of the United Kingdom. And I might suggest to the Scottish nationalists that actually now is the time for them to put aside... Now is the time for them to put aside their tunnel vision on independence and actually explain to the Scottish people why under the SNP they're not putting as much money into the health service as they've been given from the UK, they're not exercising the powers they've been given and Scottish education is getting worse. It's time they got back to the day job. Mary, Mary Robinson! Thank you, Mr Speaker. I also welcome the announcement from the Prime Minister yesterday and I look forward to the general election and taking my positive message to my constituents in Chile. Over the last two years, I've pressed for first-class transport infrastructure for Cheadle, and this week I launched my transport survey so my constituents can have their say on what's needed to keep Cheadle moving and be at the heart of the Northern Powerhouse. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that residents in Cheadle need to vote Conservative on the 8th of June to ensure we get continued investment in transport and infrastructure, not only in Cheadle but across the North West? Well, I absolutely agree with my honourable friend on, uh, on that point. But can I say, because I know she's been working very hard for her constituents in Cheadle on this transport issue and on others. And of course, it is under this government that the DFT is investing £290 million to improve transport links to Manchester Airport through Cheadle, and £2.1 million has been committed to improving walking and cycling routes around the Cheadle-Hume district centre. And I think that's why the choice is so clear. As she says, if she wants to see that funding into infrastructure, we need a strong economy, and only the Conservatives can deliver that strong economy. If Smith! Thank you, Mr Speaker. Because of the Prime Minister's changes to education funding, every school in the country will face real-terms cuts. Manchester's hit harder than anywhere outside London. With with Cholton High School and Parswood High School in my constituency, each losing the equivalent of over 30 teachers. So I asked the Prime Minister the same question a head teacher asked me. What would the Prime Minister cut to balance the books? And what subjects would she choose to sack teachers from? As the Honourable Gentleman knows, there are record levels of funding going into our schools. What uh, we have... 
Everybody across this House has recognised for many years that the current funding formula is not fair across the country and it's necessary for us to look for a fairer funding formula. Now we've consulted on that and we'll obviously be responding to that consultation. Uh, but I say to the Honourable Gentleman, as he, as he faces up to the election, I note that last year he failed to back. He opposed the leader of his party. If he wasn't willing to support him as leader of his party, why should his voters support him as leader of the country? David McIntosh! Thank you, Mr Speaker. The only way to fund crucial infrastructure is with a strong economy. To that end, does my right honourable friend agree with me that the St James Mill Link Road in Northampton would help with traffic flow in the town and to unlock development on the Enterprise Zone? And will the next Conservative Government continue to support me as the MP in backing the scheme? My honourable friend is absolutely right that you need to have a strong economy if you're going to be able to fund that crucial infrastructure. And that's why since 2015 we've increased our annual investment in economic infrastructure by almost 60%, £22 billion per year by 2021. And that includes £2.6 for improvements in transport projects. And I'm happy uh, to see the uh, link road proposal that is being put forward by his local LEP, which I think will improve access to business and unlock development in the area. I know my honourable friend's worked hard to see this happen, and I'm sure he'll continue to campaign on issues like that that matter so much to his constituents. Jones. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Recent changes to housing benefit entitlement for 18 to 21-year-olds will affect 195 young people in Merthyr Tydfil and Rumney. The government is constantly challenging young people to train and leave benefits for the world of work, but homelessness charities like Clamai are concerned that these changes will be a major barrier to learning and training for youngsters who do not have a safe and secure environment at home. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that we should be doing everything we can to help young people in the job market, including offering financial support for housing, and will she pledge to strengthen the guidelines so that no more young people risk falling through the net and ending up on the streets? I think the principle behind what is being done in terms of the changing of housing benefit is the right one, which is to say that actually it's, it's only fair that people have, uh, are not able to uh, make decisions when they're on benefit that they wouldn't be able to make if they're actually in work. But it is right that we need to ensure that those young people for whom staying at home, for whom there is a particular difficulty, are supported through the system. That's why there are significant exemptions that have taken place. We've taken that on board and we recognise that need. And that's Closed question, Mr Philip Hollobone. Question 8, Mr Speaker. Well, I'd be happy to visit the Kettering constituency in the future, if my diary allows. In fact, uh, I suspect in the next few weeks I'm going to be visiting quite a few constituencies across the country. Mr Philip Hollobone. Life for ordinary working families is harder than many people at Westminster realise. You have a job, but not necessarily job security. You're just about managing, but you're worried about the cost of living and getting your kids into a good school. You're doing your best, and a Conservative government will do all it can to make sure that you have more control over your life. Mr Speaker, these were the inspiring words of the Prime Minister when she took office last July. Will the Prime Minister come to Kettering, Britain's most average town, and repeat these, her core beliefs? Because if she does so, I know she will be warmly and widely acclaimed as the Prime Minister this country needs for the next five years. Well, 
my honourable friend is absolutely right to highlight ordinary working families who do rely on the government to provide stability and certainty for them. And that's why that's what this Conservative government has done. And if you look at what we've done, we've supported jobs through significant new investment in skills. We've invested in public services like childcare and the NHS. And we've enhanced consumer protections. And I'm happy to uh, repeat the words that I said outside Downing Street on the 13th of July last year. But it's Conservatives in government that have delivered strong and stable leadership. And that's the message I'll be taking out to the country during this election. Chapman. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister support the people of Darlington when they oppose the downgrading of their A&E and maternity services? They want an answer they can trust, Prime Minister. Is it yes or no? The proposals, for, the proposals for the configuration of health services in local areas is a matter that is being determined by local commissions uh, in the best interests of services in the best interests of services in the local area. But I'm interested, the Honourable Lady refers to the views of her constituents in Darlington. Uh, She has said, of the leader of the opposition, the leader of her party, my constituents in Darlington have made it clear to me they cannot support the Labour Party under your leadership. How can they possibly support him as leader of the country? Maria Caulfield! Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I welcome the fact that because the Conservatives have managed the economy so well, there's record funding of school funding this year. In East Sussex, for example, uh, has some of the best performing schools in the country. They're set to receive an increase of 3%. However, in Lewis and my constituency, many of my small rural primary schools are set to see a reduction. So could the Prime Minister guarantee she will look at the issue of rural primary school funding so that we can even out the fairer distribution of money? friend is absolutely right to point out the record levels of funding that are going into schools. It is also the case, as I said earlier, that there has been over the years a general acceptance across this House that the current system of funding is not fair in certain parts of the country and that's why we want to end that postcode lottery and look at a system that is fairer and more up to date and a system that will support our plan for a society where progress is based on merit and not on privilege. But I'm very happy to look at the concerns. I recognise small rural schools particularly have uh, particular issues and I'm very happy to look at those concerns to ensure that we get the funding formula right and we can spread the money as fairly as possible. Liam Jones. Thank you Mr Speaker. Every school in Hindburn is facing a massive budget cut. Why is a child in Hindburn worth less than a child in Tory heartlands in the south. We currently have a situation where there are significant sums of money going into uh, children in certain schools, uh, double, sometimes double the amount of money that is going for a child in another school. We need to find a fairer system. We have consulted on that system and we will be responding to that uh, system. But I also, I note from the Honourable Gentleman about what he has said about his leader, the leader of his party, the leader of the opposition. He said, he's not fit to rule The public see this is a man who doesn't take responsibility seriously and he can't take the party forward other than in a divisive way. If he can't take the party forward, how can he hope to take the country forward? Eric Thomas! Small businesses provide the lion's share of jobs in Cornwall and on the Isles of Scilly. 
the difficulties of attracting credit, rising operational costs and red tape makes running a small business an increasingly difficult task. What can my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, do to help these small businesses so, they, so that they can continue to be the engine of rural economies like West Cornwall? Yeah. Well, my, my honourable friend is absolutely right that small businesses are the engine of the economy. I know he's been a champion for small businesses in his uh, constituency, and he recognises that uh, we need, if we're going to ensure that we can create those jobs, we do want to encourage uh, small businesses. That's why, uh, at the budget, my right honourable friend, the Chancellor, provided £435 million to support businesses in England facing the steepest business rate increases. It's why uh, we've cut business rates uh, by nearly £9 billion, or will do over the next five years, and why we've listened to small businesses and given that extra year to prepare for making tax digital for over three million uh, businesses. But I recognise the importance of small businesses in Cornwall, and I look forward to uh, visiting Cornwall in the next few weeks and being able to talk to him and others about the importance of small businesses in the county. Baron. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Could I, uh, could I join uh, with the Prime Minister uh, with the expressions of uh, condolence led by the Prime Minister earlier on? Um, this election can change the direction of our country from the consequences of potential hard Brexit outside the single market to the future of our NHS and social care, our schools and our environment. The British public deserve to hear the party leaders set out their plans and debate them publicly. But the Prime Minister has refused to take part in televised leaders' debates. The Prime Minister and I, back in 1992, debated publicly, publicly, forcibly and amicably when we were both candidates together. Indeed, Mr Speaker, indeed, indeed, Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister called out the then incumbent who did not show up for some of those debates. Why will she not debate those issues publicly now? What is she scared of? I can assure the, right, the honourable gentleman that I will be debating these issues publicly across the country, as will every single member of the Conservative team. We will be taking a proud record of a Conservative government, but more than that, we will be taking our plans for the future of this country, for making Brexit a success and for delivering a stronger Britain. And he talks about a possibility of changing the future of this country. What do we know that the leader of the Labour Party, the leader of the Liberal Democrats and the leader of the Scottish Nationalists have in common? Corbyn, Farron and Sturgeon. They want to unite together to divide our country and we will not let them do it. John Stevenson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The government wishes to pursue a national industrial strategy. Cumbria has some specific strengths such as tourism, agriculture, nuclear among others, but it also has some weaknesses. In the next Parliament, would the Prime Minister agree that any industrial strategy must take into account regional and sub-regional factors, and would she be receptive to a Cumbrian industrial strategy which works within a national one? Well, my, my, my honourable friend has pointed to a very important part 
of our plans for a stronger Britain for the future, which is the modern industrial strategy that we're developing. It is because we want an economy that works for everyone, that delivers good, uh, skill, high-skilled, high-paid jobs and creates conditions for competitive world uh, world-leading businesses to prosper here in the United Kingdom. Um, but he's right, as we look at that industrial strategy, we need to look at the particular factors in particular parts of the country. He's uh, long been a champion, not just for Carlisle, but for Cumbria. Uh, and uh, I recognise the need, as does the business department, as we look at that industrial strategy, to tailor it according to the needs of particular areas of the country. Yvette Cooper. Prime Minister yesterday said she was calling a general election because Parliament was blocking Brexit. But three quarters of MPs and two thirds of the Lords voted for Article 50. Yeah. So that's not true, is it? Exactly. And a month ago, she told her official spokesman to rule out an early general election, and that wasn't true either, was it? She wants us to believe that she is a woman of her word. Isn't the truth? that we cannot believe a single yep. word. This, uh, order, order, the house is rather, order, the house is rather overexcited. The question has been heard. The answer will be heard. The Prime Minister. This House and this Parliament voted to trigger Article 50, but the Labour Party made it clear that they were thinking of voting against the final deal. The Scottish Nationalists, the Scottish, the Scottish Nationalists, the Scottish Nationalists have said that they will vote against the legislation necessary to leave the European Union. The Liberal Democrats say they're going to grind government to a standstill and the House of Lords have threatened to stop us every inch of the way. I think it is right now to ask the British people to put their trust in me and the Conservative Party to deliver on their vote last year a Brexit plan that will make a success for this country and deliver a stronger, fairer, global Britain in the future. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I, Mr. Speaker, I've seen rats and fly tipping as a result of bins not having been empty for up to three weeks across Lib Dem run Sutton, following a shambolic, following a shambolic change to their refuse uh, collections. When bin collections gets in the national headlines, you know something's gone wrong. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that in accepting greater delegated powers, elected councillors must consult residents properly, plan major changes carefully, and take full responsibility as accountable representatives when things go wrong? I don't know about the howls of derision that were coming from the opposite, uh, opposition benches, because my honourable friend raises a very important point on an issue that actually matters to people up and down the country. And it is our goal to reduce littering and litter in England, to make sure that our high streets, our villages, our parks are the cleanest and most pleasant places that they can be. We've published the first ever national litter strategy for England and we're supporting comprehensive and frequent bin collections. But from what he says the Liberal Democrat-run Sutton Council is doing, it shows not only, as we already knew, that the Liberal Democrats charge the highest council taxes, but under the Liberal Democrats you pay more and get less. Yeah. Patricia Gibson! Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Will the Prime Minister join the Scottish Government 
North Ayrshire Council and all Ayrshire local authorities and pledge today to support the Ayrshire Growth Deal, which requires £350 million of investment targeted to regenerate Ayrshire and improve the lives and prospects of all the people of Ayrshire. Well, we have, uh, as the Honourable Lady will know, we have already shown our commitment to growth deals in Scotland from the deals that have already been agreed. I understand that my right honourable friend, Secretary of State for Scotland, has met with the Scottish Government to discuss uh, the growth deal for Ayrshire that she has referred to, and we're in discussion about that deal. But we've shown our commitment already through the deals that have already been struck, for example, for Aberdeen. Sir David Amos! As part of South End's celebrations as the alternative city of culture, <laughs> on the morning of Monday the 1st of May, stilt walkers will walk non-stop from South End to number 10 Downing Street to raise money for the Music Men project to help people with learning difficulties and also a charity for child refugees. Would my right honourable friend arrange on the morning of Tuesday the 2nd of May for someone on her behalf to receive the stilt walkers and accept from South End's town crier the proclamation that in this the 125th anniversary of the founding of Borough, South End be declared a city. (laughs) Can I I say to my honourable friend, when I first heard uh, this issue of the stilt walkers, I thought it sounded a bit of a tall order myself. But, um, I'm sure they will be making great strides as they approach uh, Downing Street, and we will look very carefully. I'm pleased to hear what he says about South End celebrations, but also for the efforts that are being made to raise funds for very, very important causes. And we'll certainly look at what can be done in Downing Street when the stilt walkers arrive there. Dennis Skinner. Will the Prime Minister give a guarantee that no Tory MP who is under investigation by the police and the legal authorities over election expenses in the last general election be a candidate in this election because if she won't accept that this is the most squalid election campaign that has happened in my lifetime. I I stand by all the Conservative MPs who are in this House and who will be out there standing again campaigning, campaigning for a Conservative government that will give a brighter and better future for this country. Richard Binion! I am proud that my party in government has ensured that we fulfil in this country our commitment to NATO to spend 2% on defence and our commitment to the UN to spend 0.7% of GNP on overseas aid. Will my right honourable friend please commit the future Conservative government to do the same? Right Honourable Friend is absolutely correct. Obviously, we've committed to meet our NATO pledge of 2% being spent on GDP on defence every year of this decade. We are delivering on that. We've got a £36 billion defence budget 
which will rise to almost 40 billion by 2020-21, the biggest in Europe and second largest in NATO. We're meeting our commitment from the United Na- uh, of UN commitment to spend 0.7% of GNI on overseas development assistance. And I can assure my honourable friend, right honourable friend, that we remain committed as a Conservative Party to ensuring that we ensure that for the defence and security of this country and to work for a stronger world. Finally, Christian Matheson. Schools in Cheshire West and Chester were already underfunded by about £400 per pupil on average before the new national fair funding formula came in, and now every school in Chester is cutting staff and raising class sizes. That's how they protected the education budget, Mr Speaker. So can she explain to the House why is it that the national fair funding formula provides neither fairness nor funding? As I've said in in this chamber before, uh, we need to look at the funding formula. We have published proposals, we have consulted on those proposals, and in due course, Government will respond to those proposals for fair funding. But I was very interested to see the Honourable Gentleman being interviewed yesterday and being asked whether he'd put a photograph of the Leader of the Opposition on his election literature. And sadly, he said the only photographs he wanted on his election literature were his own. He wasn't prepared to support the Leader of his own party. Order!